You're listening to This Foul Earth. Okay, so this is the freeway to area by here. We've got all the machines and all that over in the back half. Uh, we've got the rower machines, you know, the electricals, what have you. This is where it all started, just in this room by here. When we first opened, we didn't have all the, you know, the classes and all that. It was very much a muscle gym back in the day, you know what I mean? Got to diversify, though, especially now. You know, so many gyms out there these days. Greg! Greg! Alright, son? I mean, I wouldn't say this out loud, yeah. But in the past few years, you come out here and there's all kids on their phones. And they've got those little socks on. You know the ones I mean? The, the little socks. Where it only just goes over your foot. You know, a sock in my day, it was go up to your knee, didn't it? But, you know, the youngsters now, I just think I haven't got the time. If you want to step into my office, uh... right. So the contest first ran, and uh, I think it was either two thousand, it was two thousand three. But to get right back to the start, I was probably one of the biggest pillheads in Wales from about nineteen ninety three to two thousand one. And I mean, I was on the pillows morning, noon, and night. Next morning, you know, I got big into the illegal rave thing. And before that, I worked in events planning at Swansea Students' Union. So I was doing a lot of the organising side of things for them. I was from Swansea originally, but I came east for the raves. Illegal raves are location, location, location. When you think about an illegal rave, you think abandoned farm or industrial site. But it's much more nuanced than that, see? It's quite a narrow window of what makes a good illegal rave venue. The best one we ever had was... Um, it was a Bounty Castle place, not far from Pontypool. Place, uh, they rented out, but they had this massive area where they did safety testing on the new designs. Bouncy Castle testing field, right? But the problem is, they, they had these crash test dummies, they were sized and the weight of kids and everything, but you can't do human testing on real... Well, they couldn't, but we could. Right? So they wouldn't charge us nothing, they looked the other way and all that, but they left the CCTV going, and once the punters were in, come one May, you know? I remember one year, they just had these dinosaur-themed ones over from China. I had a big T-Rex, it was, you know, summer 95, big year for dinosaurs, and they said to me, look, see if these things are safe to climb. And you know what? They weren't. We had to deflate it in the end, horrendous, life-changing injuries we're talking about here. So that was my end of it, logistics and all that. And the money was good, but as I said, basically anything I earned, pills, all went on pills. I don't remember anything from about 1995 to about 1998. I'm not proud of it, but that said, I did love it. So I say on the whole, it was probably about 50-50, you know. Good times didn't last though. I hit, uh, well, I hit rock bottom in 2001. The last one I did, there was a... Let's just say there's a famous department store, right, that was being fumigated because somebody with nits had gone in there. They tested all the combs, they tried on a few woolly hats, and they'd had a long lie down on one of the beds. It was carnage in there. It spread like wildfire, and they put this big tent over the place, right? We managed to get in there after it had been sprayed, but before they took the tent down. And I was in absolutely foul mood that night. I think at that point, I knew the illegal end of the business was drying up, but also my pill connection had gone to mould on a yoga retreat, and I'd been dry for a fortnight. So I'm in this department store, I'm leaning on this mahogany dresser, it's way overpriced, and I'm sweating, the place fucking stinks of fumigation gas, and we've lost most of our regulars to the mainstream garage clubs, because, you know, if you want to have a dance and you want to take an ecky, the mainstream places, they was easier to get to, they was more reliable, and you weren't taking your collarbone home in a plastic bag because you fell off an inflatable dinosaur. And that's true, mind. That really happened. I saw that lad, not the other week. His head has been on the wonk since 1997. Cocked to the side. Like, it always looks like he's really listening to what you're saying. So he's always hearing other people's problems. I feel for him. Anyway, night of fumigation. My head is pounding. I'm right up my own arse. All right. I looked down on the floor and I thought I saw a few pills just on the ground. Right. Wasn't uncommon in those days, right? And I'm not proud to say this, but I got down there and I took them. I took all of them. And I was later told they weren't pills. They were wood lice and rat poison. My, so my eyes are burning from the spray and now I'm on my hands and knees like some absolutely pathetic animal and I've just eaten three wood lice and a poison pellet and I felt trapped. 
I felt trapped. It felt to me like my life was on a rail, like a roller coaster, no way out, like just this horrible sense of inevitability. And that was a low point for me, that was. I went to sleep that night, and I don't know if it was the rat poison or what, but I, I visualised in my mind when I was asleep, it was a dark sky, right, with this piercing white moonlight, right, so the clouds looked like they were glowing. And flying above the clouds was the most muscly man I could imagine. He was just rotating slowly in the moonlight, just floating in space. And he looked down on me and he smiled as he was spinning. I felt a divine hand that night, honest to God, right? In the dream, my eyes, they felt heavy and dry like I'd been awake for years and years. And I look up at this bloke, right, this muscly bloke, and I said, show me the way, muscle man. I've squandered my life, you know? What should I do? And he said, enter Mr. Universe, man, go on. And then he held out his hand and I took it. And we went zooming off into the sky together. He showed me a different type of future, one where I had self-respect and where my life had purpose. I said to him, thank you, muscle man. And he said, don't worry about it, man. Well, I knew somebody, it was another ex-pillhead who actually started running the gym in Penturk. So I told him about the vision and he was like, fucking right, that's a sign that is, right? So it was about five or six of us at Penturk and we all decided to enter Mr. Universe. We said, we'll get in shape and in 2003, we'll enter us, eh? Right? And true enough, we spent two years getting absolutely ripped beyond belief, right? I was working out 10 hours a day, six days a week. I had weighted cutlery, weighted blanket. I was devoted. It was a calling. It's the only way I can explain it, it was a calling. And I got offers to do unlicensed shows and that because people knew I was connected. And I'm talking big money now, not just the raves, right? Unlicensed anything I got offered the location job for a few unlicensed cricket games right it's not reliable work right but when the market's hot for unlicensed cricket it is a money printing machine but I wasn't interested right? I genuinely wasn't I was too busy getting absolutely fucking snaked like that right veins like snakes he said right so 2003 comes around right and we're in shape and we know it right <laughs> right there were six of us all in right and there's qualifiers for Mr. Universe in London right so we get to seven seats and we pile up there around the time of our lives we know we've trained we know we've put in the yard yards and we're all looking fantastic we filled out all the forms we've got a load in time we get to the hotel where they're doing it and we says we are from Penturg Muscle Asylum which is what we was called then and we had to be Mr Universe right? and the fellow at the desk he took one look at us and he said well have you been through pre-approval yet I said no need mate no need look at that like that right? so we start flexing right? we're ripping each other's shirts we're all laughing our heads off right? we had poppers on everything in those days right? except our pants but we were just tearing each other's clothes off and we were howling laughing right? because we were so excited to go to America and to be Mr Universe because we honestly thought that bit was just a formality you know and I got some bloke over with a tape measure and he said, well, your proportions are all wrong. You're not going to be allowed to compete. You know, your shoulder to hip ratio needs to be like a certain number. It was all very complicated. And we were stood there looking around going, well, we've got the biggest arms, we've got the biggest legs, the widest backs in. Yeah, we're pointing at people going, we're bigger than him, we're bigger than him, right? I don't know if I should admit this on tape, right? But it was a struggle to drive the minivan, right? Because we were so muscly, right? None of us none of us could hardly turn our heads you know every lane change we took we were gambling with our lives right? and he said well that's not the point of bodybuilding he said you're going for ideal ratios you're not just trying to make yourself into these monstrous giants and that was crushing that was honestly we got so excited about becoming Mr Universe about the idea of Mr Universe that we and it's an honest mistake we forgot to look into what it actually entails and that's partly our fault right? and I say partly because I still think our enthusiasm should have counted for something even if we weren't technically in line with the requirements do you know what I mean Stigsy tried to rush the stage, right? But they've had problems with that in the past, apparently, right? They had, the, you know, those collars on long sticks that the dog catches use. They got him around the forehead with one of them. And he's trying to pull it off, but his traps, you know, his shoulder muscles, his traps were too big, his biceps were in the way, he couldn't get his hands anywhere near his head, right? Honestly, we looked fucking massive, right? But that was easily the weakest and the most vulnerable that any of us had ever been. We couldn't turn our heads, we couldn't raise our arms properly. We were so top heavy, we were going over most days, right? But that's something they don't tell you about the bodybuilding game, innit? 
So we're still in the car park afterwards. We're glimly doing up the poppers on our trackies and our vests, and we're trying to all fit back into the minivan. And I got to be honest, that was a low moment, a really low moment. And I thought, this is rock bottom all over again, right? But you know what, mind you, this is something I've learned, right? You decide if you're at rock bottom, right? And you decide what to do about it. So I said, you know what, boys? I'm sick of things not going the way I wanted. Do you know what I mean? And they all stopped and looked at me. And I felt there was a moment there, right? And this is a problem I learned about when I was on the Eckies, right? And when there was coke flying around back in the day. Because if you say an inspiring thing, often people will want to hear another inspiring thing straight after it, you know? So you've got to be really careful what you say next. And it came to me then what we ought to do, right? And we spent all the way home talking about it. We said, bollocks Mr. Universe, we've worked hard here. Let's just do Mr. Penturk, right? We'll get all the boys in from the gym and we'll do our own competition just for the gym, like, right? Mr. Penturk took everything I knew about illegal and unlicensed events and everything I knew about bodybuilding and sort of combined the two worlds. You know, not that you've got to have a license to pose in your own gym, but I got a PA down from one of my old contacts and we did it like a proper thing, you know, and all the boys got a few minutes. We had a little little makeshift stage over by where the free weight was out there and we really made sure to make a fuss of everybody because a lot of hard work had got in there and we didn't want anybody to feel like they wasted their time. And you know what? I think it really did soften the blow of us not getting into Mr. Universe because all the boys, they got to do what they'd hoped. And a lot of what they were doing, we later learned, it wouldn't have been allowed in Mr. Universe anyway. You know, Nigel was doing this thing where he flexed his thighs as hard as he could, right? What like that, right? With a debit card in his trouser pocket. And he would have somebody read the embossed number on it through his trousers because that's how hard he was flexing his legs. I mean, his trousers that tight, you know? It's a great trick, right? But it wouldn't have been allowed in Mr. Universe and it could have just as easily gone to waste that. Anyway, I think the boys got a lot out of it, right? They had support audience but it wasn't just a supportive audience you know it was also an audience that they knew what they were feeling you know they'd worked hard too and they'd felt left out right and a lot of us had felt like that for a lot of our lives you know either you don't seem to fit in anywhere or just felt like all the good stuff happened to other people you know and it got to the end of the night and we'd all had the validation that we wanted and somebody says who was one call and everyone looks at me and i thought well we didn't really think that far ahead, you know? It's, it's one of those things, you say it in the spur of the moment, you put on a little Mr. Universe for the boys, and you don't think as far ahead as a winner and a trophy and all that. So I said, we're not doing that. Mr. Penturk is not about winning and losing, right? It's a celebration of hard work and everything that we've achieved, right? You are all Mr. Penturk as far as I'm concerned, and you've every reason to be proud of yourselves. And the boys are happy with that, and so that was that, right? But then about eight months go by, I start getting stopped in the street, like, oh, you know, oh, I'm looking forward to Mr. Penturk this year, Carl. I thought, you're joking, they want another one. I thought, fuck, staying in Mr. Universe shape, or what we thought was Mr. Universe shape, that's a full-time job, right? And after we had the blow-off at Mr. Penturk, a lot of us, I'm not saying we let ourselves go completely, but we needed to turn our heads, man. You know, Steve Wynn drives a forklift, right? But then I got to thinking, you know, I knew a fellow who worked with me, right? His name's Mark Granson, right? And all the boys used to call him Werther, you know, the, you know, the adverts for the sweets, you know, what was it? Uh, these, these have had a very special grandson, right? He hated that. I was working in the power tool rental house with him, right? And in the evenings, he was in this jazz band thing, just him and a few of his mates having a little toot about. And I told him about Mr. Penturk and how it started, and he said, you know, I know exactly how that feels. Me and the band, we busted our guts to get into Brecon Jazz Festival, and we didn't get in. So I thought, well, who says it's got to be fucking bodybuilding? Like I said, you know, it's whatever we want it to be. So I said, do your music at Mr. Penturk. He said, they're not going to want to hear that. I said, it's not about what they want to hear. Like, it's about recognising hard work. I put an advert in the paper. Have you worked your hardest or something and not quite made it for whatever reason? 
Come to Mr. Penturk at the Muscle Asylum next Sunday for registration. Any and all welcome, right? A few of the boys at the gym still wanted to do bodybuilding. So there was still a lot of that bodybuilding in the second year, but Werther's did his jazz thing. It was 10 minutes, and it wasn't the sort of thing that I like. I don't think anybody liked it, but we cheered him on as best we could. You know, we weren't judging it on merit. We were just recognising the effort because that's the point of Mr. Penturk. Jazz is tricky in it because you think, oh, it's finished, and then it's off again, right? So there's a lot of stop and start. We had all sorts that year. We had somebody, he'd learned to tap dance, right? Because nobody at his work really got on with him. So when he retired, they just got him a voucher for a night class at the local college. And when he went to cash it in, that was the only class they had left. And he was really good, you know? He wasn't fair to stare or nothing, but you see some old twat in a polo shirt with a belly out here and he's up there giving it his all. You've got to say, you know, fair play. So we cheered as loud for him as we did for one of the boys in the gym who lifted a 100 kilo sandbag over his head. And that's how it started. There was a lot of happy tears our second year. And there has been every year because we've done it every year ever since. It's just a feel good thing for the town, like, you know, all come as well can we just have to show us something anything that you've tried your hardest at and then congratulations you're mr penturk we had our first female mr penturk in the third year uh nick bolton's daughter she's an accountant now but she got kicked off the netball team at school right so she's up there in the bib and she's doing trick shots with the netball right and she missed half of them but again that's not the point and it never has been right mr penturk is for everyone you know i had a dream of being a moonlight muscle man right and that dream led me to mr penturk and i like to think that other people's dreams have led in there too and I know some people don't get it, like to them, if nobody wins, it's not a contest, like, but life's hard enough, you know? What I like to think is, Mr. Penturk is... <sighs> what we've built here is an engine of success, right? Now you rub shoulders with the well-to-do, right? The people that our society deems successful, they've already built their engine, right? It's fancy schools where your kids aren't allowed to go to. It's universities where they're drinking each other's blood and they're wearing little brooches. And then if you want a job at a top company, you need to show them your little brooch so they know that you're one of them. I read about that in the paper. Right? Mr. Penturk is not going to level that field. But I like to think it's getting people a bit more into that mindset of winning, you know, of feeling like somebody important. Because you are like, you know, besides there's plenty of chances to fail and to make a tit of yourself the rest of the year. Right? Mr. Penturk is a night off. It's a night off from misery and rejection. Right? One night, you get up there, you flex your muscles, you show us a car trick, whatever, right? And when the next person gets up, you cheer for them like they cheer for you. You lift each other up. You be somebody for the night. And what's the arm in that? 